just a moment, we'll be in John chapter 1 together. But first, don't we enjoy Christmas? We enjoy Christmas Eve, we enjoy Christmas Day, and so many things about the season that we really like. We love the sights, we love the sounds, we love the colors of Christmas, we love the carols of Christmas that we got to sing together, and we love it. So many wonderful things about Christmas that are a part of our traditions. There's a tradition of being together, a tradition of togetherness, and it's very appropriate, and I'm so glad that you're here. Nobody likes to be alone anytime, really, but certainly not at Christmas, and I'm so grateful we can gather like this. And those who are watching on the live stream, so glad you can be with us. And even on the live stream, you can connect with others by wishing each other Merry Christmas in the comments line. You can use that connection card to wish Merry Christmas or ask for something, but we're together. And then all of this togetherness is appropriate because Christmas is about that. Jesus is Emmanuel, think of it, God with us. Our God coming to us so that through his death and resurrection, we could be with him forever and ever. Togetherness so fitting for this day. Also, another part of our tradition is the giving and receiving of gifts. And this too is fitting because God is the one who wanted to offer to us the greatest gift imaginable. He came to offer to us the gift of forgiveness, the gift of reconciliation with him, the gift of everlasting life and so it's very fitting that we would make this a time of gift giving and receiving. But another part of our tradition is the lights. And we love how we have this room lit up with the trees and the wreaths. And I bet at your home, a tree, maybe even candles in the windows. You might even be one of those families with lights all over your house and all over your lawn. And we love it to drive by your house to enjoy all of that. But even lights, so fitting, because as you've heard this morning, Jesus really is the light of the world. Light is a common theme throughout the scriptures referring to righteousness and truth. God himself is referred to as light. In 1 John, we read this, God is light and in him, there is no darkness at all. And that's a statement of God's absolute holiness. Also, the word of God is referred to as light. In Psalm 119, we read this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And aren't you grateful for the scriptures to light the way, this from God. And yes, Jesus, God, the son is, is repeatedly referred to as light. And John chapter one is another one of those places. And you heard a little bit of this just a moment ago, but I want you to hear this now. The first 14 verses of John chapter one, and I want you to Pay particular attention. So many things happening in this passage, but how about for this morning, focus on that word light that you're going to hear six times in this text. So John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone has come into the world. 
He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So many beautiful things happening there in John 1, 1 through 14. One thing you can notice is this, is that John 1 does really parallel what we read way back in Genesis 1. Both Genesis and the Gospel of John start in the very same way with these words, in the beginning. That's a commonality between these two. Also between Genesis 1 and John 1, the theme of creation there. We know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1. And here we read this in verse 3. Speaking of Jesus, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. That theme of creation we hear from Genesis 1, also John 1. But also this in common, that theme of light. Famously, in Genesis chapter 1, we read this. God said, let there be light. And there was light. That's just stunning in and of itself. Our God, the creator, even of light. But here in John chapter 1, we're told six times. That use of that word six times referring to Jesus. So think of it. The one who is light, the one who spoke light into existence, is the one who has come to us to offer to us light and life. And so the question this morning, are you among those who has received that light? Have you, have you received the gift that the Lord Jesus came to bring to you light and life? And if not, this is a perfect opportunity today. Maybe you've passed up opportunity after opportunity before to put your full faith in Jesus Christ, but not any longer today. That's why the Lord has brought you here this morning, this Christmas morning, that you would see what God is offering you, to see who Jesus is, and today say, oh, I want him. I'll resist him no longer. I fully will embrace him by faith. He indeed is the light of the world. And this is how the prophets spoke of him. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 9 said this, Isaiah 9 two, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, the light will shine on them. And then he goes further in verse six, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Then eight days later after the birth of Jesus, when Jesus was dedicated in the temple, an older man by the name of Simeon took Jesus in his arms, and he referred to Jesus as the light of the world. Listen to this. This is Luke 2, 28. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Listen to this. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Jesus is indeed the light of the world for all people everywhere, every nation. So the prophet spoke this way about Jesus. And I love it. Jesus comfortably, confidently spoke of himself 
the same way, where he said in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. And when Jesus says it, doesn't it sound right? When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, we say, that's exactly right. The prophets were right when they said that of you, Jesus. And when you say it of yourself, that's right. But if anybody else you knew made that statement, I'm the light of the world, you'd be very concerned for them. Maybe you have a family gathering coming up this afternoon. And if anybody at the table says, hey, everybody, I'm the light of the world. You'd want to scoot your chair a little farther away from them. You'd have on the phone, I want to call somebody for help for my loved one who's delusional about their greatness. But Jesus says it, listen, not, not, I'm not the light of Bethlehem, or light of Israel, light of the world. You, I am the light of the world. We say, yes, you, yes, you are. Prophets were right. You are right. Jesus came into the world to perfectly reveal the love and grace of God. He's the light of the world. He came into the world to overcome the darkness of our sin. He's the light of the world. Jesus came into the world to overcome the darkness of death and judgment. Jesus came to offer us light and life. That's what we're told here in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. But then this, in John chapter 1, John tells us that there are different reactions to the light. There are different reactions to Jesus. And sadly, we read this in verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Verse 11 sounds even sadder. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. So John tells us the sad reality that many will not accept the light of the world. They don't know him. They don't receive him. They don't want him. In fact, Jesus in John chapter three specifically told us why most of the world, most of his world won't receive him. This is John three nineteen, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So this is a tragic reality that the light of the world has come with love and grace, offering forgiveness and offering everlasting life. But Jesus says, most people love their sin more than wanting a savior. And that is a sad reality, especially when you consider what Jesus is offering. Look at verse 12. Here's what we're told. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Once again, this morning, this is a perfect opportunity. If you've never received him before, if you were among the many who said, I don't want him, I just want my sin. I kind of like the darkness. I prefer the darkness. Today's the day to step out of the darkness. See clearly, oh, I do want Jesus. I do want what he's offering for me. I want to step into the light. I want his light to flood my life so the world may not know him, but you can know him. Many people will not receive him, but this morning you can, and I pray that you will receive him. God is offering you a precious gift. Really, no greater gift is available. 
you already experienced maybe the opening of gifts. This trumps anything else that you've ever seen. Maybe something you're anticipating later today. Maybe. Oh, this gift of Jesus greater than anything else. Now, how do you and I determine what makes a great gift? Usually it's one of three things. First of all, when we estimate a gift being great gift, it's the thought. We even have a statement. It's the thought that counts. And that's true. A gift is going to land when we receive it. We know, you know, a lot of thought, a lot of love went into that gift that I'm now receiving. That makes it a great gift. Another thing that makes a gift great to us is sometimes it's the value of the gift. Sometimes we're just blown away. Somebody just goes way overboard and like that, that was just so expensive. Why, why did you do that? That's amazing. Just the value of the gift. Sometimes it may not be that great in monetary value, but it meets a real need. And somebody saw that need that you had and they gave you a gift. And they, wow, thank you. That's exactly what I was hoping for. That's exactly what I needed. One of my most treasured gifts from my childhood was a bicycle that my mother gave me at Christmas. But I asked for the bicycle at a really bad time. I was about five or six years old. My parents had recently been divorced and uh, my mother was a single mom for a season with me, my brother and my sister. And so I didn't understand the dire financial circumstance we were in. And so I asked one Christmas for a bicycle. My brother understood, he's six years older than I am. He understood what I was asking of my mom. And so he went to her, I learned later and said, mom, you know, I asked for a baseball glove for Christmas. Don't worry about the glove, just get Jim the bike. And um, that's amazing that he was willing to do that. Well, here's what my mother did, I learned later. Mom uh, could not afford a bike, but she asked for my uncle's help and they found a used bike and he refurbished it really better than a new bike. It was, it was perfect, as I recall. And even on the chain guard, they had my name stenciled in there perfectly. Jim Booth right there on the chain guard. I was elated about that bicycle. I'm happy too. My mom was able to pull, pull together and give my brother, brother the baseball glove that he was willing to give up for me. My sister, whatever she asked for, the gift for her, it was just amazing. But a reason I treasure that is because the love of that gift that I learned all about later and the sacrifice that my mother made, that my brother was willing to make, I think my sister was also willing to sacrifice, for me, amazing. And Jesus is a gift far more glorious than that, far more love and sacrifice in the gift of him leaving heaven to come to us, but then to come all the way to a cross where he would give his body and blood for us. Think about it with me. This is the ultimate gift, the perfect gift by any measure that we even commonly use. Was there thought behind the gift of Jesus, our Savior? Yes, love. Was there value here? Yes, God gave his only son. And that son went to the cross and poured it all out for us. There's value. But was there a need? Did we need him to do that for us? Oh, we did. Without that, we would have perished. Without receiving that gift, we will perish. This is what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so today I urge you to receive that gift by receiving Jesus. The forgiveness of all of your sins, the removal of your shame, the, the escaping of the judgment to come because Jesus already took your judgment on the cross. To be saved, to have a home in heaven forever. That's what Jesus is offering. And that home in heaven forever with him, to be together with him. 
Remember the lyrics? Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Allow him to flood your life today with his love, with himself. Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then Jesus said it, John 8.12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So today, embrace the light by embracing Jesus. Enjoy the light by walking with Jesus. Become a follower of Jesus. Walk by faith. Walk in the scriptures. Walk in prayer. Walk in the fellowship of other believers. Walk in obedience that you might enjoy the light of Jesus. And then the other responsibility we have as we step into the light, embracing Jesus, is to shine the light. We get to share this good news with others. Wouldn't you agree, if you have come into possession of the greatest gift imaginable, and it's for all people, isn't it then your responsibility to tell others, oh, you can have this too. You can have this hope. You can have this peace. You can have this joy. You can have this strength. You can have everlasting life, and it's found in Jesus. He saved me. He can save you. That's our joy. That's our responsibility from here on.